Welcome to another Agri Epicenter seedling session. Uh, these seedling sessions offer an opportunity to all Agri Epicenter members to showcase and share their technology or offering, discuss a current topic, and enthuse and encourage collaboration. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Seedling Sessions. Today, we're speaking to Casey Woodward uh, of AgriSound. Hi, Casey, how are you doing? Hey, Tom, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. So really excited to have you um, on the podcast. I'm, I've been following AgriSound for some time now, um, and I've been really looking forward to getting the opportunity to have a chat to you about what you're doing and also the future plans for the business. Um, but just for listeners of the podcast, would you mind doing a little introduction about yourself, um, AgriSound, and you know a little bit maybe about your mission? Yeah, definitely. So, um, so for those of you who don't know me, uh, my name is Casey. I've been in the agri-tech space now for the last five years or so, working in livestock innovations. Uh, and then in, over the last couple of years, set up a company called AgriSound, which aims to use low-cost listening technology to understand insect uh, biodiversity in the field and help farmers and growers to really be able to target interventions to protect pollinators where needed. So, so when you say, so obviously the sense the listening device themselves are quite low cost. Um, two things that would be interesting to me is one kind of, you know, what's the recommendation for a producer or whoever the customers they are using? Kind of, what are the number of devices per, you know, hectare are they expect needed to use? Um, and you know. Uh, and then you expect that to be across kind of the, the whole whole farm. What's the? Yeah, it's a really good question. Is it's the question we get asked the most probably, and I think it really depends on what you're trying to achieve. So if you're a apple grower and you've got you know hundreds of hectares of, of orchards, you might want to optimize your pollination uh, in those orchards to make make sure you get the best fruit yields and the best fruit quality. And we know that suboptimal pollination costs around £5,000 per hectare here in the UK. So it's a pretty, pretty big challenge that, that growers are facing. So we would recommend kind of two to four devices per hectare mm-hmm. in, in, that, in that case. It would, it would be um, sort of around about a couple of hundred pounds. And then, but conversely, if you were an arable grower or a dairy farmer and you wanted to make sure that uh, you were protecting pollinators, you might want to monitor your hedgerows or you might want to look at any forms of um, you know, bee habitat that you have on your farm was operating in, in the best possible way or you're getting the most return for the investment that you've made, and in which case it might be a, a much smaller number of devices placed um, in those areas and you're just tracking uh, very small areas um, rather than monitoring the whole field, in which case it might only be you know, a handful of devices uh, in that case. So it really depends on, on the question you're trying to answer. Yeah. And, so, and I'm assuming that the kind of the meat of the innovation, I mean, obviously, to even with low cost listening devices, as we all know, once you get them out into an agricultural setting, I'm sure there was some work required to, to, to make them robust enough. But, I, but I, my assumption is that the real meat of the innovation is in the algorithmic and data processing Absolutely, uh, absolutely. So we're using um, some some standard components. Uh, we've built our own hardware, 
Um, but ultimately, it's it's effectively a, a low cost Alexa that you might have in your house yep. uh, applied in your garden or field. So it's it's uh, a series of microphones with some environmental sensors. So the idea being that we can use uh, bioacoustic algorithms, so particular algorithms which, uh, which interpret that sound information to tell us what type of insect is present and the abundance of that insect alongside some of the factors that might be contributing to why your pollinator levels are high or low. You know, if the temperature is very high or humidity is very high, you know, that might change. So it's, so it's a case of, um, yeah, trying to listen out to the sounds of those, of those insects, but also being able to interpret that sound file in a very scalable way, which means that we don't need very high-powered computing um, resource or we don't need to... Um, get the device confounded by lots of different background noises and try to strip all of that out. So, so yeah, you're right. The, the algorithms that we've developed really are the, the core IP, as it were, of the devices. That's interesting. And so obviously you mentioned earlier, not only working across a number of different kind of agricultural sectors, but, um, but also, you know, what people are trying to achieve. And I think one of the things that we see a lot in ag tech, um, particularly in, in sort of the more cutting edge stuff, is is you know a lot of different ways of capturing data but then sometimes there's a bit of a gap between then giving uh the end users actionable insights and it sounds like that's something you've already spent a lot of time thinking about how to take all of this data and actually then depending on the particular use case um to, you know deliver easy and actionable insights it'd be interesting to hear a bit about that yeah, absolutely. So we spent a lot of time talking to growers to kind of look at what they were doing around insect biodiversity monitoring as is, uh, and then what would they want from an automated solution. So we we knew, we know that um, most growers tend to rely on, on still on, on manual observations. They're bringing in volunteers or consultants or ecologists to come out and stand on the farm for a few days to really understand kind of what's going on. And Clearly, that's fraught with challenges. You know, if the, if the day's a bit overcast or if weather's poor or too windy, that can that can really skew the results. And then it means you've then got to bring someone back out and incur more costs. So it's it's a problem. And what ultimately growers want to know is kind of where are the black spots on the farm? You know, do I have sufficient pollinator coverage? Yes or no? Uh, very binary. And if no, kind of where are those black spots? And then what can we do to plug those gaps? So what we've done is we've developed... Um, a very simple user interface, which ultimately revolves around a heat map, which shows kind of where the devices are, what's that, the activity happening in those areas. And therefore, if you have got an area which has um, some form of deficit, then we give some very high level recommendations around, um, in short term being to move uh, managed pollinators there, so either a honeybee hive or, or bumblebee box. But longer term, look at kind of how can we use more sustainable interventions like um, sowing wildflower seeds, um, creating new bee habitat to to create local native pollinator communities that can ultimately deliver all of the good stuff in terms of the precision pollination that's required, but also in a way that's kind of environmentally and and economically viable and sustainable. Great. So so in in, in essence, essentially, you've got kind of 24-7 monitoring, um, heat mapping and recommendations, which you can then work with the grower, their agronomist, um, another company who can provide pollinators and, and advice on yeah, I mean, that. I mean, that was some of the feedback we had quite clearly was from the grower's perspective, they were already engaging an agronomist and they didn't see it as our job to be telling them what, what to do on the farm. They, you know, and we've taken that to heart, you know, and we tell 
growers that we're engaging with now that you know we're we're a technology company we're, we're not agronomists you know, we'll show you where those deficit zones are but ultimately it's your decision on, on how you want to deal with that and if and if you want to make any uh, recommendations at all you know or if you if you want to make any interventions at all then then that's completely up to them and, and they can deal with that as they see fit and so i don't want to put you on the spot at all but have you got any kind of particular success stories of that you, you you'd want to talk about publicly yeah no absolutely we're really proud to say that our first big project is kicking off next month with innocent drinks so innocent drinks are obviously one of the um, biggest um smoothie brands and part of the coca-cola group and they came to us um, recognizing that there was a problem around getting enough pollinators um, uh, across all of their, their f- uh, fruit production estates in, in Southern Europe. And so we're working with them on a pilot project now to deploy some of our devices onto some of their apple orchards to help them evaluate different types of interventions that they're going to apply to uh, you know, um, remediate low pollinator levels. Um, but also then use this as a case study to then really get this technology used across their wider supply chain, which we're really, really excited by, actually. I think, you know, as a company that's only been going uh, just over two years now, I think the fact we're working with such um, impressive brands like Innocent Drinks is, is something that we're really, really proud of, actually. Yeah, it's very impressive. But I think it obviously speaks to the value of the mission and the product and and, and the growing trend towards um sustainable and regenerative what what is interesting to me is that you know i've spoken for a number of ag tech companies um over, over the last year who interestingly have started to work more and more with um with with uh, processors and food brands and, and what you're seeing is i personally i think what you're seeing is a consumer push towards more regenerative and sustainable uh products which is that they're thereby getting some of the more progressive food brands and Instant obviously always been one of those. I think they just got their B Corp status, um, you know, looking at ways that they can work further down the food chain and pre-farm gate. And it, it's really encouraging for me that we're starting to see this, the whole food value chain working together towards these kind of, um, towards these kind of admirable goals. Absolutely. I think it's, I mean, what's great for us is that consumers are really vocal about protecting pollinators. You know, everyone knows that bees are dying out and there's that presents a really big problem. And I think, you know, what's great is that the consumer is now making their voice really clearly heard and they're supporting the brands which are doing their part to protect bees and protect biodiversity. And, and from our perspective, obviously, we're we're really lucky that we're supporting that agenda and we've got brands that want to work with us to help them to, to achieve that and, and tell consumers a really positive story about their, what they're doing to, to help protect the bees and, and other pollinators. Yeah, no, it's wonderful. And and so, and I guess, I guess a nice place to move on is like, I know you've got some uh, pretty ambitious goals. Um, it'd be great to hear about some of that. Absolutely. Yeah, we're, we're really going for the stars, Tom. I mean, we we want to create the world's largest insect biodiversity database. And the way we want to do that is to deploy a network of our listening devices across the globe. You know, we're aiming at our first million devices over the next few years, um, and then, you know, onwards and upwards from there, really. And what that will enable us to do is really take this big problem of you know, the loss of biodiversity and the loss of pollinators in particular, but address it at a hyper-local level. You know, mm. that's always the problem. You know, we know that climate change is a big issue. Um, just taking that as an example, but 
when we talk about how we solve it, you know, we often get sort of scared by the big actions that are required. Whereas what we're trying to do is help growers and farmers and even broader than that into gardeners and, and, and construction companies and, 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 and so on to really help them take action at a really local level that can just start to create more areas where bees can be protected and, and native bees can, can, can thrive. And from that, we expect to see, you know, uh, the outputs being greater than the sum of the parts, as it were. Yeah. So, so obviously you're a UK company. Um, what, what what does the mapping of your kind of uh, geographic, global geographic um, rollout look like? Have you, I mean, I'm assuming you've already started a bit. Have you got any particular, if there's any listeners, for example, who um, might be able to help out with that? Yeah, no, definitely. We're, so it's still, it's still early days for us. The vast majority of our devices are um, forecast to go out into the UK over the next 12 months. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're certainly not closed off to discussions um, with people in other countries. You know, we've been talking to plenty of people in, in New Zealand and in Australia around some of their almond plantations and, and, and fresh produce um, in those markets. Uh, we've been talking to people in, in the States as well, um, particularly around kind of big greenhouses and making sure that we can optimise pollination in controlled settings uh, as well as in outdoor settings. Um, and the imperative there is very strong because there's a, it's a very large commercial um, cost. You know, it, buying in pollinators is, is expensive ultimately. And so everyone wants to make sure they get enough bang for their buck. Yeah. Uh, so so for us, you know, it's a case of I think we're... we're we're staying close to home for the, for the time being to make sure we've got the evidence base that really shows how the technology works and how much impact it can ultimately have. And then I think from there, we'll then start to roll that out. But um, no, we're really excited. We're really excited. And I think this is, this is, just, the, this is just the tip of the iceberg for AgriSound and what we're going to achieve over the next few years. Oh, absolutely. And I think it makes real sense to focus on pollinators and focus on a single market and, and really be able to demonstrate um you know impact case studies on that um you know I, i've got a real passion for regenerative systems particularly in agriculture obviously and you know of that biodiversity is is a, is a major kind of uh, pillar for that and and interestingly obviously around the carbon side we've we've seen a huge growth around within ecosystem services as much as as a strange strange phrasing carbon's been the big one up until now and, uh, and you know i don't think we've seen the peak of eco- carbon ecosystem services one of the next big ones i mean water infiltration is of course one but another big one is biodiversity and that's not necessarily just going to be around pollinators which i appreciate are a big indicator of that so is is there in the longer term the potential for your devices to also listen out for uh, a wider range of um, biodiversity uh, absolutely Absolutely, yeah. So I think we know that we completely agree. Pollinators are just the start, uh, and they are really important indicator species around the health of an ecosystem. But actually, we can use our technology to monitor things like pests as well, and make sure we're helping growers to use integrated pest management and, and reduce pesticide application um, where where necessary. And so we've already started that work. We've, we've had a proof of concept uh, project recently, looking at how we can listen out for the codling moth, which is a really uh, important economic pest of, of apple orchards and so we, we we definitely want to look at that uh, and expand that library of algorithms present um to, to be able to recognize more more pests uh, as well as more beneficial insects as well 
I think there's no reason why the technology can't be used more broadly than that either. So if we wanted to use the device to monitor birds in the environment, we absolutely could do that. Mm. If we wanted to monitor small mammals, we absolutely could do that as well. Anything that makes a noise, uh, we can pick up uh, and distinguish that noise by isolating the, the kind of the key acoustic features against the background noise. Um, so if people have got interest and ideas of, of other use cases, then you know, we'd be absolutely delighted to, to hear that and, and be open to working with anyone to take the device to the next level. Yeah, absolutely. And it's uh, obviously you said working outside of uh, agriculture and you mentioned construction and uh, and I wonder if there's a there's a pitch that needs to be made to the HS2 because I know that I, I, I'm aware that, you know, for that build, you know, the, working out the the impact on biodiversity, you know, across that that construction is, is going to be a big thing. Definitely, probably worth reaching out. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. We are, we are talking to quite a few um, big infrastructure projects uh, kind of teams at the moment to look at how the technology can be used to help provide an indication of what's happening to to that environment. And as you'll note, Tom, the UK is um, uh, under, under the new environmental bill, has to all of these projects have to show a biodiversity net gain of over 10%. So it's quite significant. And I think what we can do is highlight the areas where a landscape might be struggling and then suggest some some interventions that can help developers get over that threshold. But then but then you know 10% should be the minimum. You know, we could hopefully way exceed that as well. You know, and we know that if you've got bees on a site, you'll then start getting pollination of hedgerows that provide berries for birds and then you know the whole ecosystem benefits so it's um you know we think there's there's loads of great stuff that we can do by protecting pollinators and, well, and I, absolutely need to listen to us i i think i think what's so exciting about um a tech development like this is you know one of the core principles around trying to make make progressions and sustainability and regeneration is you know this idea of measure to manage and if you can't benchmark where you are and where you're going under all of these different uh, all of these different things, then it's it's impossible for one for it to be regulated, one for you know growers or construction people to understand where they're going right, where they're going wrong, where they should be focusing. And so you know something uh, a tech solution like this, which the core is a kind of measurement and, ma- and management tool, is 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 so exciting and so so needed. Um, well, look, it's been really really interesting getting a catch up on the project. I mean, it's incredible to think you've only been going. Some- <laughs> Just under two years, and what you've achieved so far. Is it? Is there? Is there anything else that you'd like to kind of, you know, put out there to the to listeners, or any kind of collaboration requests that we might be able to help you with? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think for us, you know, we're we're a small company, and we recognise our limitations. You know, in terms of we can't achieve everything alone, and so collaboration is really important to us. And I think we definitely see ourselves as being a partner who can bring biodiversity elements to projects particularly bigger projects looking at regen farming as a as a concept or, or more kind of environmentally sustainable forms of of, of crop production or or, or even for beyond that so i think if you know I, I, my message would be if there were companies out there that were, were interested in looking at biodiversity and they wanted to work with a partner that was used to working in partnerships very collaborative then definitely reach out get in touch and we'd be we'd be delighted to to grab a, a virtual coffee and, and have a chat, if uh, if nothing else. Well, amazing. Well, I, we are looking at doing a regen-focused event at the end of March, and you know where we're looking to bring technologists, producers, farmers, 
um, et cetera, together to, to talk about this. And I think it'd be really great to potentially have you guys um, uh, at that. Oh, sign us up. Sounds brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. Well, look, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day. I know you must be incredibly busy as a startup, um, but it's been a really enjoyable conversation and I'm really looking forward to, to following up and, and seeing how things go over the next, over the coming months. Brilliant. Cheers, Tom. Great to chat. Not all.